Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The first week of Sam Bankman-Fried's trial on charges of orchestrating a years-long fraud and bilking investors and customers out of billions of dollars offered critical insight into the strategies of the prosecution and the defense in the weeks ahead. Prosecutors emphasized allegations that Bankman-Fried knew he was committing fraud by stealing billions of dollars from customers to help fund a grand lifestyle full of luxury real estate purchases, celebrity hangouts, and massive political donations. The defense painted a very different picture of Bankman-Fried, arguing that he was a hard-working math nerd who simply got caught up in a crypto market crash that took down multiple startups. Three of the main witnesses against Bankman-Fried have pleaded guilty and are cooperating with the government, including the government's star witness, Caroline Ellison, a former girlfriend of Sam Bankman-Fried and the former Alameda chief executive officer. Joining me is Bloomberg legal reporter Ava Benny Morrison, who is in the courtroom every day. Was the courtroom packed every day? How much attention was this case drawing? The first week of the Sam bankman trial was getting a lot of attention. There were journalists lining up downstairs from about 6 a.m. in the morning hoping to get a seat in the courtroom. There were crypto bloggers, commentators, podcast researchers, even um, convicted criminal um, Martin Screlly turned up to have a look and was giving his analysis on Twitter about the case. So there was intense interest in what was going on. Uh, it was difficult to get a seat in the court. The judge only reserved a certain number of seats for media. There was also an overflow room with another 40 to 50 journalists inside there. Uh, so it was a very eventful first week. Briefly, tell us about the prosecution's opening. Did they paint this whole collapse of FTX as the fault of Sam Bankman-Fried? Yes, they pinned him up as the orchestrator of this multi-billion dollar fraud at FTX, painted him as a bit of a criminal mastermind who made these executive decisions that eventually led to FTX's and Alameda Research's downfall last year. Uh, They said that he um, had power and wealth and influence, uh, but it was all built on lies. They accused him of siphoning billions of dollars in FTX customer funds from the exchange over years and uh, pushing it into Alameda Research. From there, the funds were used allegedly for high-risk trades uh, to buy a property in the Bahamas where FTX was based uh, and on political and charitable donations. The prosecutor alleged that Bankman-Fried made those political donations to buy influence in Washington, D.C., It was quite a uh, dramatic opening address from the assistant U.S. attorney. Uh, At one point, he uh, pointed his finger at Bankman-Fried, who was sitting between his two lawyers um, at the defense table, and um, said, this man, you know, committed fraud, and he has lied to the public and to customers as well. And so how did the defense respond? 
The defence's opening statement uh, was a lot less dramatic in comparison. Bankman Freed's defence attorney, Mark Cohen, uh, spoke to the jury. He was quite softly spoken. He was very measured and he spoke quite slowly. He said that the prosecution had painted Sam as a uh, a villain, almost a cartoon villain, someone who was the only person working at FTX. But Cohen said that Sam trusted some of his executives and mentioned Caroline Ellison. Caroline Ellison, as we know, was the chief executive officer of Alameda Research and she was also Sam's ex-girlfriend. She is a key witness in this case. Mark Cohen said that Sam had approached Caroline in 2022 when he was worried about the impacts of market volatility on Alameda Research and its positions. He asked Caroline to hedge against um, that market exposure, uh, but according to Mark Cohen, Caroline didn't do that, and that contributed to what ended up being sort of the perfect storm that brought down FTX and Alameda. Uh, Mark also said that Sam wasn't the criminal mastermind. He was a math nerd who went to university, didn't party, didn't drink, who worked really hard to build up two multi-billion dollar companies. Uh, Mark said that he put everything that he had into trying to save those companies, um, but obviously was unsuccessful. Did Sam Bankman-Fried look different from the way we've seen him before his arrest? Yes, definitely. That was one of the things that first struck me when he walked in the courtroom. He looked a lot thinner than he has in the past several months, and his trademark hair was no longer. It was cut a lot shorter. You might remember he's always had this very messy, curly head of hair. And the weight loss, I guess, has happened over the past several weeks when he's been in the Metropolitan Detention Centre in Brooklyn. His lawyers have complained that He's only been able to eat peanut butter and bread and water because he's a vegan and they don't have any meals that accommodate him. In terms of his mannerisms, he seemed pretty cool, calm and collected. He engaged a lot with his lawyers. He was keeping notes on his own laptop in an Excel spreadsheet. And tell us about the jury of nine women and three men that was selected. Most of them are in public service jobs, work for the government. There is a train conductor on the jury, a retired corrections officer who used to work in a prison, a special ed teacher, someone who works at a hospital. So it was a real mix, but it was a very long process to get there. You heard from three witnesses the first week and two were former friends of Sam Bankman-Fried's? That's right. Two of Sam's former friends testified and I'd say they were definitely the most interesting. Uh, The first one was a man called Adam Yudidia. He was a developer at FTX. He first met Sam uh, at MIT and then came to work for him uh, a couple of years after graduating. He said that he discovered uh, Alameda had borrowed um, about $8 billion uh, from FTX and he approached Sam about that debt uh, in uh, about middle of 2022. Uh, They were in the Bahamas at the time and according to his testimony, Uh, Sam told Adam, uh, we were bulletproof last year, but we're not bulletproof this year. Adam said he took uh, that to refer to the liability that Alameda had to FTX. He said that Sam was a bit nervous and um, a bit seemed to be concerned when they were having this conversation as well. Then we heard from uh, former FTX executive Gary Wong. 
Gary also went to uh, MIT with Sam and he and Sam actually started FTX together. He was a brilliant coder. He was the chief technology officer at FTX. He was in charge of you know, fixing all the bugs and problems in the code at all hours of the day or night. Uh, he is one of the three key cooperating witnesses that we were all really looking forward to hearing from. He pleaded guilty to fraud last year uh, in exchange for cooperating uh, against Sam Bankman-Fried for the government. And Gary gave um, a painstaking recollection of how he changed FTX's code allegedly at Sam's direction uh, to give Alameda a secret backdoor uh, to use customer funds whenever it wanted. Uh, he talk, spoke about uh, lifting the limit for the amount of customer funds that Alameda could borrow uh, from $1 billion and then to eventually to $65 billion. Uh, one of the most interesting parts of his testimony was the timing of this. He says that he and another executive, Mishad Singh, actually changed this code as far back as 2019 uh, and that um, Alameda Research was tapping into customer funds um, for years, essentially. Uh, he also said that he knew Sam was lying uh, when FTX was uh, in the middle of collapsing in November last year and he was tweeting to the public that FTX is fine, the assets are fine. Uh, Gary said that you know he knew that this was a lie. He also uh, said that Sam wanted him to transfer uh, whatever remained of FTX's assets after it filed for bankruptcy to regulators in the Bahamas because he wanted to stall regulators in the US uh, because he thought the Bahamas would give him a better chance of remaining in control of FTX. So he was part for many years then of this fraud. How did the defense handle the cross-examination? We didn't get too far down the road with cross-examination. Uh, we heard about maybe half an hour from defense attorney Christian Everdell he questioned uh, Gary Wong a lot on those uh, secret uh, privileges, uh, special privileges that Alameda uh, had on FTX. Uh, he asked Gary whether the, these were really were special privileges or if it was just to give um, Alameda um, the right conditions for it to be uh, act as a market maker on FTX. Uh, so we didn't get too far um, in terms of exploring what kind of strategy the defence is going to take with Gary Wong, but we expect to hear uh, more of that on Tuesday. So these two were good friends of Sam Bankman-Fried for quite a while. Was there tension in the courtroom when they took the stand? Did they interact with him in any way? It was interesting. When um, Adam Yadidia walked in the room on the second day of his testimony, there almost seemed to be this sort of mutual acknowledgement between him and Sam. There was sort of a slight nod um, before Adam kept walking and took his seat on the witness stand. Uh, it was almost like that they'd forgotten that they were in a courtroom and Sam was sort of in a fight for his life to stay out of prison. Um, with Gary, it was the complete opposite. There was no real acknowledgement between Gary and Sam at all when he walked in. Uh, at one point, um, the federal prosecutor asked Gary to point out Sam in the courtroom Gary sort of looked over the sea of lawyers in front of him um, trying to find Sam uh, and found him and pointed him out very briefly. But that was as far as the acknowledgement went. How did the prosecution handle the fact that Gary had made this deal with them to 
lessen his sentence? From the get-go, the prosecution asked Gary, did you commit financial crimes? To which Gary answered yes. Who did you commit them with? Gary answered Sam, Caroline Ellison and the Shad Singh. Uh, And then Gary explained that he had pleaded guilty to fraud offences last year. I think the prosecutor was very upfront um, with uh, wanting to present that background to the jury um, so they could judge his evidence on that going forward. Towards the end of his um, direct examination, uh, the prosecutor also asked Gary, you know, why did he um, plead guilty to crimes? Why did he uh, agree to cooperate with the government? And Gary said that, uh, one, it felt like the right thing to do, and two, he wanted to try and stay out of prison. I know there was only part of the defense. The defense has yet to finish its cross-examination, but did the defense get into that plea deal? No, not yet. So now, after Gary Wong gets off the stand, who's the next witness? We're going to hear from Gary Wong for a little bit longer on Tuesday when the trial um, reconvenes, and then we're going to hear from Caroline Ellison. And this is the witness that we've all been waiting to hear from and waiting to see. No one has really seen her since FTX collapsed in November, and then it emerged that she was are cooperating with federal prosecutors against Sam Bankman-Fried. She wasn't meant to be immediately after Gary. There were going to be two other witnesses, uh, but the prosecutors indicated on Friday afternoon in court that she would be called after Gary was done. So we're really looking forward to hearing what she has to say. So we've discussed before, Ava, that the judge issued several rulings before the trial that were detrimental to Sam Bankman-Fried, including throwing him back in jail. Has there been any conflict or frustration between the judge and the defense attorneys during the trial? There has been some early frustrations between the judge and the defense team. The judge seems to have become a little bit annoyed uh, of the defense when they've been asking questions during cross-examination of witnesses uh, saying to the defence attorneys, we've already heard this before, this came out during the prosecutor's direct examination, you're being repetitive. Uh, The judges sustained a lot of the prosecutor's objections, sometimes even uh, saying sustained before the prosecutors had a chance to stand up um, at the bar table and explain what the grounds are for the actual objection. Uh, You could tell that there was a little bit of frustration on the behalf of the defence who were trying to um, sort of redirect their line of questioning in line with the judge's frustrations and, and guidance, I guess, on um, stopping, uh, on trying to stop repeating information that the jury already knows about. Thanks so much, Ava. I know you'll be back in the courtroom tomorrow and we'll check in with you. That's Bloomberg Legal Reporter Ava Benny Morrison. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Show. Remember, you can always get the latest legal news on our Bloomberg Law podcast. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at www.bloomberg.com slash podcast slash law. And remember to tune into the Bloomberg Law Show every weeknight at 10 p.m. Wall Street time. I'm June Grosso, and you're listening to Bloomberg. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.